hello, hey Groovers, and welcome to another episode of Hits and Giggles, the show where three daggy dad jokers, yes, myself included, attempt adorably to bring sexy back to Gen Xy by exploring the music and pop culture of our youth. Joining us tonight, we have Daryl, we go riding on the horses, Munton. <laughs> We have Peter, don't you go out in the rain, it's bad for your liver chi, Lupellus. And I'm Jules, great Sutherland, Sutherland. Uh, <laughs> now, listen, oh, we're stepping out because tonight's episode is the first of two episodes we're going for a double album experience because there's so much to get through as we're getting vocal and local because we are delving the theme of Australian music. Ooh. Yeah. So to kick things off, I'm just going to get controversial straight out of the <laughs> gates. No. And I'm going to say two words, crowded house. <laughs> it's like, What's controversial okay, about that? I am very oh. well aware of the fact that Neil Finn is a Kiwi and that... Oh, okay. There's is Paul Hester often... a Kiwi too? No, no Paul Hester not. and Nick Seymour are both from Melbourne. So oh, that's yeah. what I figure. It's kind yeah. of like two-thirds of Crowded House are from Melbourne. Arguably, Neil Finn is kind of like the engine room. So maybe he totally. gets but like... But he moved to know, Melbourne. The... Oh, they started here. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Split so yes. moved over here and then they think they expanded yes. and then they became... Well, Crowded House got created in Melbourne. Because Paul Hester was, the, was in the final incarnation of Split End. Oh, was he? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So. Correct. So, yeah. So Crowded House... Just such, such incredible music and so many, 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 many songs that have been the soundtrack to many, many mm. different chapters mm. of my life. And weirdly, when I was looking through, I was going, I actually, bizarrely, only ever owned one Crowded House album. Mm. And I don't know quite how that happened. Um, and it was a best of. It was oh. the Recurring Dream album mm. that came out in 96, I think, and had pretty much, right. you know, yeah. all of their best of songs. But that's the thing, you can look at any one of their albums and it reads like a best of because yeah, they yeah. had, so you know, like four, so five, six singles. huge singles off every album. So what's your favourite Crowded House song? Do you have one? Well, I have a, my favourite album was Together Alone. Yeah. And I had that and Woodface. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't really, I guess I don't really listen to lots of other the albums, but yeah, best of's are fantastic because there's just so many of them. Yeah. But Together Alone, I'll put that on and the whole thing's just rocking. Yeah. Amazing. Do you have a favourite Crowded House song? Oh, it's a tough one. Actually, there's a... Um, I think it's called Into the Lowlands or something, and it's off the first album. It's just... It's got a really dark, mm -hmm. edgy sound to it. It's one of the ones at the end of the album okay. that may have been left off if okay. you're on yeah, one right. side of the... You're just so cool. You just don't... Yeah. Like, you know, it's like All the Ramones the thing. thing. It's just right? kind of like, you know... It's that's about about 40 top Everyone 10 singles to that you got. So it was like towards the end of the first album. <laughs> it's just really, it's it's got, a, I don't know, minor chords or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got a really dark edge, It's but it's got this really lovely pop melody. I think that's what it's called, Into the Lowlands. I, and we'll find it. Maybe it's off Temple of Loman. But I love Temple of Loman as an album. That was my favourite. Right. Was, oh my God. And that was edgy and dark yeah. and moody. Whereas the first album was kind of very boppy and cool. Um, Temple of Loman was just yeah, it was yeah, there's yeah. something else about it. Yeah. That's the only other one I know. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I figured you know, even though this is a show about Australian music, and to come out of gates with um, yeah. with crowded house, 
But that's the thing is that, that it's the most Australian thing in the world to claim overseas artists as our own. We do it all the time. In fact, it would be un-Australian not to. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Crowded House, first out of the gates. Um, another one that was really powerful for me, um, particularly when, when they first emerged, was uh, Yothu Indi and the, mm. the Tribal Voice album, which was the one that had Treaty, um, which was kind of what, at least in my experience, put them on the map. And I remember being in year 10 or 11 and you know i mean we all went to school in the 80s and the australian history that we got taught and the woeful lack of anything regarding first nations history that was that went to any kind of depth was you know it's pretty appalling really and then this song comes out that's just Mm. like it's making a statement that we all needed to hear and obviously that you know the treaty still hasn't happened Mm. um and it also was just an absolute banger of a song that just... Mm. I remember it completely filling the dance floor in our year 11 social. Have you heard <laughs> the original amazing. rock version of that, though? Yes. Because yes. that, that kicks ass. It's pretty fun. Yeah. And then, yeah, it got, it the got remixed, remixed essentially. Yeah. yeah, the remix so, version. Yeah. The, well, the remix version was the, the was kind of the, the one that got played on the radio. Yeah. Well, I heard it on the radio Then there was the remix. Yeah, version. they've been around for a yeah, while. Right. They were doing traditional stuff, I think. Uh, yeah. Right. I they were a traditional dance, song and dance. Oh, right. as, in, as in their, oh, right. uh, what are they, yeah. Yongu, Yongu thing. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's, because I've, I've got an album called Building Bridges, which was a celebration. It was 88 and that was celebrating Australia Has a Black History was the, was oh, the, right. was the subtitle and there's, Midnight Oil and a whole lot of the Crowded House, they contributed songs, but there's a whole lot of Aboriginal artists. And Yothi Indy are on there, but they're, they're traditional traditional music. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was a you know very very powerful one um, in there. And then another that was huge for me was the the George album, uh, Polly Serena, you know, George, oh, Katie Noonan's. Yeah first band. Vaguely know the name, but that's about it. Right. Do you know Katie Noonan? No, vaguely know that band. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. She is Amazing She setup. is incredible. So I first became aware, I think um, Polly Serena came out in the very early 2000s, so 2001, 2002. Yeah. Um, and that was what, what kind of launched George and then my awareness of, of Katie Noonan. And my first awareness of him was actually seeing them play live. And now... Katie Noonan is a prodigy. Like, she is phenomenal. Mm. And her, she's got this, like, she's highly classically trained. Um, she's opera she's got, trained, isn't she? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and and it's this combination of this absolutely exquisite, pristine, technically perfect, ethereal vocal with this, like, George were, like, quite a good driving alt-rock kind of band. And I think and they were all classically trained musicians as well. Well, that wouldn't course, surprise me. Like and it, really and so Katie Noonan's brother, Tyrone, um, also was in mm. George too, and he's got a beautiful voice. It's a little bit Jeff Buckley-esque, which always you know, appeals to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, saw them, saw them play live and was just like, who even are you? Like, mm. this is mm. incredible. And then that album, the Polly Serena album, was just constantly then on high rotation afterwards. So Breathe In Now was the. But they didn't really make a splash because I've never heard of them. They they didn't. They I, were kind of big when it when that album came out, and then they kind of disappeared. Yeah, they did. They did two 
Uh, there was another one that came out. It wouldn't have even been two years after Polly Serena was the second album. Mm. They may have done a third. I'm not sure. But um, so Katie, Katie Noonan went on to do lots of solo stuff and other side projects. There's um, Katie Noonan and the Captains, and and she's done uh, various different collaborations with lots of different people. But yeah, we're going to have to to. Uh, Fill you in on the phenomenon yeah, that George. is Katie Noonan and right. George. And the other thing that George beautiful. did was um, they did a version a live. I don't think it was ever recorded. I don't think, but if it is, please let me know because I'd love to hear it. They did a live concert version of the Deep Purple with orchestra. That's right. I remember you telling me that. Yes. Yeah. So so John Lord wrote this. It was pre pre Machine Head. John Lord. I think John Lord and, and Roger Glover wrote this thing for them to do with an orchestra like mm. a symphony orchestra mm. and it's it, that you can get that that's the original deep purple in con, uh, uh, with orchestra or something it's called something like that um yeah 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 and they yeah. did that they did that wow. album as a live thing george did oh please let us know if anybody can find us the uh, oh yeah the links Crazy. to that because we'd love to see yeah. if there's if there is a recording anywhere um and the other one that was the soundtrack to a very awesome chapter of my life was the Whitlam's Eternal Nightcap <laughs> album. Just, did you love it? I loved that album and oh, there was a bunch of other ones, but oh man. Yeah, yeah. But just, did you know they've actually just brought out a new song? Yeah. Yes, yes. So excited. Yes, and it just, like, there's something so, like, even though now obviously here we are in the 2020s, and there's something about Tim Freeman's voice oh, yeah. and just that whole piano rock uh, yeah. kind of sound that just transports me straight yeah. back to the early 2000s yeah. and late 90s. And he, I don't know, I feel like I feel like Tim Freeman, regardless of what age he is or what era he's living in, is kind of like the the quintessential pinup of the the kind of brooding indie turn of the millennium artist you know Nobody like knows, it's just yeah, yeah. Oh, and just... doing and doing something with a piano rather than a guitar yeah. yes and yes such interesting and kooky lyrics nice you know? nice song like you know it does that song about what is it i can't remember what it's called now but the one where this girl comes girls come into the the place and he makes a sandwich for them oh, yeah, hamburgers, hamburgers. Uh, yeah like, make hamburgers like I'll an old girl <laughs> Yes. It's so hilarious. Yes, yeah, so That's good. just a salad sandwich, you know? Yes. <laughs> what was the album? There was another album later on after Eternal Nightcap that was, was big. It might have been a compilation one, I can't remember, but it was... Oh, it was um, it was a line from one of the songs, Truth. Beauty and a Picture of yeah, You. Yeah, that's, that's, I think it's a best of thing, but it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, and that, so that, yeah, that Eternal Nightcap album, I mean, obviously no aphrodisiac was kind yeah. of... I mean, that was the first track on the album yeah. and it was also sort of like the big yeah. one that, that everybody sort of tends to remember... But then, you know, also on that album, the um, Buy Now, Pay Later, yeah. which was the, uh, or that was called Charlie Number Charlie, Two. Charlie, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, just heartbreaking and gorgeous. Mm. And it's just so, so beautiful. Um, but Louis Bedette, yeah, that yeah, I yeah. absolutely <laughs> love. It's just catchy as anything. Yeah, it just yeah. it is such a good, such a feel good song. And also the song Melbourne, that, oh, yeah. that's on there, which is so in love with this girl and with her town as well, and all of that. Yeah. It's just, yeah, and there's, it, there's a, there was a line in there about um, won't pay her fines and wonders when the cops will get her. And I was like, I always thought that he wrote that about me. <laughs> in the late nineties, I did rack up a lot of parking fines oh. that I never quite got around to paying. Anyway, so, so apparently, statute of limitations they've all expired now. So. <laughs> if you stay on my run from, but you didn't know I was that much of a badass, did you? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, look out. 
So hopefully they're going to bring out a new album. If they brought out a song, they might bring out a new album. Yeah. yeah. Well, I saw them live just a couple of years ago at uh, the corner. Oh. And it was, oh, oh. So, so, Magical. so good. So, mm. yeah, very, very happy that the Whitlam's are That's, still around. And yeah, survived and the test of time. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you know, just beautiful. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's me for this time around, but, you know, plenty more to come in the next episode. Thank God we've got another episode, because I have got a list as long as your arm, and I had to cut it all down, and you guys took most of the songs, but, oh, man, I came up with a bunch <laughs> of them. And I didn't realise I was such an Aussie rock band, sort of thing. You know, you think I'm... Uh, you hear a lot of the radio, there's a lot of music from other parts of the world. But really, I grew up with this stuff, and it's it's mm. there's just so many bands that I could go for. Like, I mean, Huda Gurus is one of my favourite Australian bands. Yeah. And, and my favourite album is Kinky. It's just got some amazing... So every song from start to finish is brilliant. Um, you know, um, Miss Free Love 69. Yeah, I love that song. Which is an awesome song. Uh, and oh, there's, a, there's a hell of a lot of other ones. They're just fun. And I've seen them live a few they times. fun live. They're loud. Oh yeah. my God, they're <laughs> loud. Uh, and I have some great memories of, of seeing them live. And, and fairly recently too. They're really good. I think the drummers left and then they got a new drummer and then they... You know, there's been lots of incarnations, but still the main three sort of guys yeah. are still there, um, with less hair now. D- much less hair. <laughs> <laughs> much less hair. <laughs> but they still did rock. It, did um, so Brad Shepard, one of the... the guitarist, yeah. Oh, no, it's the... Dave. Dave, the lead guy. He's, yeah. he's always had not much hair. No, no, no. He started well, no. off with a headband and long, long hair. Oh. Seen in What's My Scene, I think he's got yeah, long hair. And, and, oh. Yeah, the yeah. early days. And okay. then long curly. Right. But the, the, Sorry the, if I've the hairline was definitely receding in those definitely, days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it looks so different. But they rock and I love yeah, them. Yeah. I just yeah. really love them. But I've got some other, um, uh, there's the, the classics that everyone listens to and I, and I love and I, you know, we'll go into them another time. But I, uh, the go-betweens, do you remember the go-betweens? Yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get into them, but I saw a documentary on them years ago, a few years ago, and the streets of your town it came up in that. And went, oh, I know that song. I love mm-hmm. it. And then I got and I went, I watched the documentary, and they were really interesting people. Mm. An interesting band. The the I think it was a violin player. She was in a bunch of other bands as well, and um, I followed that sort of rabbit hole about who was connected to who. But then I got um, 16 Lovers Lane, which is just one of one of their albums, and it's brilliant and so many Australian, but alternative indie sort of yeah. music, but singing about Australia, you know, yeah. and, and their take on Australia. So really, you know, I recommend everybody to go for 16 Lovers Lane and have a look at the go-betweens, because they just did some cracking songs that really didn't make much of a... They weren't a very big popular band, and then they disappeared, and then mm. one, of the, one of the main singers died, and songwriters died, and they disappeared. Mm. What was... Their main song? Well, or, Streets of Your yeah, Town. That one. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah gorgeous, gorgeous right. song. And so it's many. It's been used in an ad recently. I oh, think. is it? Yeah. It was beautiful. Up and down. The other one is, um, well, this you, you will never have heard of this. Most people will never have heard of Have you ever heard of the Sugar Gliders? Yeah. Really? Okay. Wow. The name small, rings a bell, but they're I'm... a small Melbourne um, band, and then the the two main guys, the brothers, uh, Josh and Joel, became uh, the Steinbecks later on. And again, really small indie label sort of thing, but you know, their their albums are fantastic. And they sing also about Australia and Melbourne. One of their songs is Aparan, which is you know talks about not that it had a drive-in cinema and everything there, and, it's, and brilliant jangly pop, really well written songs. And they're friends of mine. They're, they're friends I knew from years ago and got into them and I don't see them very often and I wish I could hear them play a lot more often but they've got some amazing albums. One of, one of the Steinbeck's albums is called Kick to Kick. Um, I actually did a video clip for one of their songs and 
just love their music and wish they would do more. But they're kind of, you know, they're family guys and they're doing their own thing, um, building straw bale houses in Kyneton and that sort of thing. But man, St the Steinbecks and the Sugar Gliders, they're on Spotify, so I'll put links in there. They're really gorgeous songs. Awesome. Yeah. But you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of others that, that we probably should go into another time. I, I do want to mention Silverchair, though, because another nah. big, you know, Australian one. And I wasn't that much into their grunge era. It was good. I liked it. But Diorama and, and Young Modern, which were the two albums they Young brought Modern out at the end, really oh, good. Oh my goodness, they were amazing. Yeah. And and I watched the whole documentary about it. And um, Daniel Johns apparently wrote and demoed the whole album of Diorama and just went nah, and wiped it. <gasps> and wrote and then started again, and came up with this masterpiece that is Diorama. Yeah, it wow. seems to that seems to be the album that people rave about, and it's great. I've got to say that's one album I never heard. Oh, Out of all of them, I still haven't heard it. Oh, you should listen to it. But Young time. Modern, I loved Young Modern. And I did get into them when they first started yeah, right. because, of course, they just sounded like every other grunge band. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Right. So why wouldn't you like But them? they were a bloody good grunge band. Bloody, but, yeah. and, and they were, and they were ours, yeah. you know. And they were 13, and they were kids, 14. Exactly, you know, that's they right. They were grungy Hanson. Yeah. <laughs> they were like the Sport Act for Pearl Jam when they came out. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. And Daniel Johns is a freaking genius. He is. And he can do so much. And he did the Dissociatives as well with Cormac. That's another amazing album. Oh, yeah. I forgot God, that was a good album. One album, yes. kooky, weird video clips, but a great combination between him and a keyboard player, and they just did these amazing songs. And they do the theme song for Spicks and Specs. Who? The Associates? Yeah. Oh, that's their version of oh, there you go. Which is Bee Gees. I was oh, yeah. not aware of that. Yeah. What about you, Pizza? Um, there's so many Australian, good Australian acts, honestly. Really? They're, they're really <laughs> Gee, do you think? There's so many. <laughs> so I tried to be really academic and and... Um, highbrow about it and think about okay well what would be cold chisel the, <laughs> that's on my list don't get me started but yeah the, like what wh who would be the I, I sort of went Sorry. no 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 <laughs> Mossy Mossy's not bad well see this is the thing you start to reel off names you go yeah actually this is really yeah, good or that song was really good yeah, or that yeah. album's really good yeah. so I was like okay what, what would be if I put together a top 10 what would that be? What would that look like? And who would that be? And this could be controversial. So I'm, I'm going to offer up, before I talk about a couple of the acts, right. I'm going to offer up my top 10. Okay. Or what, and, and then in no particular order, but what I think are the 10 most important Australian acts. And I took a, okay. a, 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 it was very, very highly scientific process. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't just about album sales or anything like that. It was what I figured that they were important somehow to the rock, Australian rock scene. Right somehow and and therefore to the culture of australia and so on and so forth so mm -hmm. in no particular order i might need to use my fingers masters apprentices spectrum radio birdman midnight oil hunters and collectors in excess paul kelly the church um uh, archie roach and Angry Anderson. No, no, no. <laughs> Jason Donovan. No, I, I missed one. Crowded House? Might have, have been Crowded House. Must have been Crowded House. Might have been Crowded House. Actually, I can't, I can't believe I didn't bring my iPad and have it all listed no, down. Well, but anyway, so that's <laughs> what, I, um, my, my, what I consider the most important um, acts. But I want to focus particularly on... I, so I mentioned a couple of episodes ago when we did our Rockdown special. Mm -hmm. I'd seen the um, documentary of Radio Birdman, uh, Descent into the Maelstrom. Um, I'm actually going to make the claim that I think they're probably 
probably maybe the first or the second if you're going to actually put a number on no, these guys. No. <laughs> and here's why. I've He's never heard them. about to get gloves That's off around why. here, folks. How could they be? I've never heard them. Okay, this is, <laughs> this is why. Because they invented the music scene in the 70s that, that they didn't... It's certainly, there was a Sydney band and all of, the, all of the other bands that I've mentioned and the ones that you like, whether it be Cold Chisel or Midnight Oil and all these guys. So they were actually, if you like, fans of Radio Birdman. They really started what I'd say uh, is the quintessential Australian rock music sound. Um, they, 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 they couldn't get gigs anywhere when they first started. Um, so two, uh, De- Dennis Tech is from, is from Michigan and Chris Maswak, I think he's from, uh, 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 it was either America or Canada, I was about to say Canada. Canada. So the North um, No, 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 the others are, but, but they were living <laughs> here. We're claiming them because that's the Australian they, thing that's to what do. We do. <laughs> so, so Dennis Tech, obviously very familiar with the Detroit sound. Okay. So Radio Birdman are, are very much, if you listen to them, you go, oh, sort of sounds a bit like the Stooges so they're or NC5. Sort of, but they, they also don't sound like the Detroit sound. Like, but there, there's that element of it. You can hear um, the influence. You can hear the influence. But also, there's nothing really else that sounded like them at the time. And um, maybe kind of punk, but punk in the way that like John Lydon talks about punk, being more of an, an art, a, a sort of a progressive art, where things come out genuinely from the person. Um, and, you know, and that's why he left the Sex Pistols and all, all of that happened. Like, because it became punk became a caricature, mm. but this was probably around about the same time, but maybe even before. So we're talking 75, 74, 75, 76. There was no music scene, and this is all in the documentary. This is really interesting that they were getting gigs in pubs and um, basically getting kicked out because Australian pubs at the time, it's what we we in the nineties we called old man pubs, full of just old men. Mm listening to the races and drinking yeah. beer, oh, drinking yes. carton draft or whatever. Two E's in, in Sydney. Pretty sure those pubs still exist, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. quite a few in Richmond, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, families eating dinner and that kind of thing. So there wasn't, like, going to the pub to see the band. So these publicans would basically pull the plug on them and, like, get them out. So they were getting kicked out of places. They couldn't play in places. So they went, you know what? We'll create our own venue, and which they did. It was called the Fun House at the Oxford tavern I, just, I think i don't know sydney well i think it's oxford, oxford street yeah oxford i think street, the yeah. famous oxford street and so the fun house they started to play there and they started to build a following and then other bands started to play there and it was attracting like they were saying it was like um you know queer community transvestites prostitutes everyone that basically didn't fit into mainstream mm. australian society and that was where everyone was going and it was like no trendies allowed. So it's it a bit just, of a punk ethic. Inside. It was punk ethic and very much the birth of what I think what we call the alternative rock scene in right, Australia right. or the indie rock scene or the grunt, you know, pub rock, pub grunge okay. kind of scene. It all began there. And so all of those, Midnight Oil claimed they were started off as a, like a progressive rock band. And I think it was um, Mogany and, and Hurst who went and saw Radio Birdman Live and went, no, 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 we need we to change do, yeah. direction, you know. And so all of the, the Saints, they, they helped the Saints. They very much helped kick off that the makes Saints. Sense. Makes sense. Um, and 
it, it, no, really, really worth watching the documentary because it is a snapshot of what was happening in the Australian music scene at oh, that time okay. in the 70s. And certainly in Sydney, there was no live scene. Yeah. There was a scene in Melbourne. They didn't like the scene in Melbourne, apparently, because there was too much drugs going on. So they've got some funny, interesting stories about Nick Cope and um, some <laughs> other right. things about... It's a really yeah, good documentary. Very good documentary and very good band. So you might know their song, Aloha, Stephen Dano, which was their tribute to Hawaii Five-0. Yeah, I because, saw that when I was looking at the book. Yeah, the because that <laughs> yeah, because that was their that was their thing is that on Saturday night they used to sit and watch Hawaii Five O. Oh well. <laughs> So maybe I should probably listen to maybe some of their best of sort of stuff. Well, listen, and then radios are here. Listen to they. They really only did. Well, they only did two albums. Right. They had a few singles that they released. Radios appear is the first one. There's two versions of that album. One then they got picked up by uh, Sire, which is a US mm -hmm. label, and went. So the US version is slightly different. Mm. And then Living Eyes came out actually after they broke up. It was a very short career because they mm. kind of just imploded. Which is probably why they haven't been sort of known. I mean, I've always heard the name, but why they haven't been really publicly known that much because they didn't follow it up with lots of touring and lots of new albums and everything. It, it was, was just a, a It bit. was a very small window of time. And yeah. they were good for what they did. And it was massive. But then it disappeared. Yeah. Can I tell you my association of Radio Birdman? Yeah. It's, it's in the same realms as the whole uh, Bay City Rollers <laughs> Bayswater Roller City thing. <laughs> so. This is sounding familiar. Radio Birdman. I heard of occasionally during my youth and I conflated it with the Birdman Rally. <laughs> <laughs> and so every time I hear of Radio Birdman, I just picture dudes with like little machines made of alfoil jumping off into the Yarra. <laughs> We can rely on Pete to bring the cool and you can rely on me to just, just make it down. Down. <laughs> So yes, I'm sure they were highly influential and for me they're always going to be associated to with like overconfident middle-aged dudes <laughs> making flying machines. <laughs> in the dirty old Yarra. Usually so. commentated by Daryl Summers. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, yeah. Well, we oh, brought it back man. down to ground. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, well, splashed down, down to, to water, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, into the lovely tepid waters of the Yarra River. Indeed. Yeah. Um, well, and then so contrast that with a Melbourne band, although originally they were from Adelaide, is Masters Apprentices, mm -hmm. which of course was Glenn Wheatley career began, Jim Key. Oh, yeah, so, right. Mr. Okay. Wheatley, he, he, yes. he wasn't an original member, but he was a, he was a bass player later. And who, who eventually was... John Farnham. Yeah. Well, so, because they had all sorts of management issues. I think that was happening in the late 60s, early 70s, yeah, yeah. where they were basically recording, touring, Getting and earning off. nothing. And I think that's when he actually then, they started managing themselves, and Glenn Wheatley, that's where he learned to basically manage. Yeah, right. So Jim um, Keyes was... Jim Keyes was the lead singer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're definitely... And speaking, you know, 1971, so 50th anniversary is... is um, what's it called? The, pa uh, the Panama Red, the tribute to Panama Red album, whatever it's called. Um, fantastic album. If you listen to some of their songs, even off the first album, which was 68 or 69, you might... You, you listen and you go, geez, that kind of sounds like Caius or something. Like, it's got a really... Fuzzy guitar, droney. Were they the band? Um, 
was that something else? Um, was that the loved, the loved one or something like that? Uh, I don't know what you're oh, singing. Yeah, no, so. I've got <laughs> in my head. I can't remember what it is. Turn up your radio. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes. That's yeah, Buster Prince. Yeah. And um, do what you want to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be what you want to be. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who yeah. Was anybody else that big that was in the band? I can't remember. Jim Ke- the only, well, I think they had a few members, but Jim Keyes was the, yeah. the, the mainstay. And then, yeah, Glenn Wheatley afterwards. And oh. he had that. His bass sounds incredible. Actually. Yeah, really. So, so certainly, um, you know, Choice Cuts. The first album was recorded here in Melbourne. But then for Choice Cuts and onwards, they were recorded over at Abbey Road Studios oh, in yeah. London. Oh. And yeah, they're definitely better. Like the quality of the recording right, and right. the production is better. But a really good sound. Like, they didn't last very long either, did they? Uh, they sort of did. Yeah, those, and they came back in the 80s and then yeah, all that kind yeah. of thing. But no, they didn't last long. They were notorious for having lots of groupies, like girls just they turning up at their bit. apartment in South Melbourne and just going... Yeah, right, let's go for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of drugs, a lot of LSD, that kind of thing. And of course, that was interesting to compare Radio Birdman, who apparently were obviously very clean yeah, right. um, for punks. Um, yeah, 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 going their, their criticism of the music, Melbourne music scene was way too, too much drugs. Yeah. yeah, way a lot of drugs. I just remember a lot of smack. Growing up LSD. with Master's Apprentice, you know, and they were obviously before my time, but then they sort of came back and they were kind of a bit old. And I just, I remember thinking, why is this band coming back? They're a bit old and they don't really fit now you know in the 80s I guess when they came back and they were yeah. probably 10 years younger than we are now probably, when you yeah, thought I, they I were know, old no, come on <laughs> think about it well yeah because 88 yeah so they would have been 20 years older than they were yeah so we were probably older now than they were yeah <laughs> but I remember the, the, the style of music they had was kind of very you know it felt sort of late it 60s it was baby boom yeah it was because they are and when they came back I remember hearing it and going oh this just doesn't fit but okay it was a great song a great couple of songs but then why are they coming back again and and they're not reinventing themselves they're just kind of doing this yeah. and I just I've got vague memories of that yeah 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 it was a bit those like early that. albums though were fantastic yeah. though even the first one there's a few of the sort of uh, backbeaty type of things yeah. but they even then they had a very um, very driving sound really oh, yeah. good rock sound powerful rock sound powerful rock sound yeah. really yeah. interesting um, and obviously did a lot of the, the festival scene as well yeah. which we did have were we they had at Sunbury? Yeah, they were at Sunbury. They, they, we, if people forget that the 60s and 70s, there was a big music festival culture just yeah. as much as there is today. It's just that they're bigger now. Yeah. You know, more, more bands, more artists, more crowds. That's, more worldwide that's all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're the two, I think, that are probably the most important and most influential. And I'm putting them sort of at, definitely at the top. And again, only because of the historical thing, because so many of the great bands that have come afterwards very much owe everything to them. So, well, I, I'm interested to hear because hopefully next uh, next episode we'll have a, a legend in the music industry, mm. and we'll ask him this question yeah. about that. Who does he think yeah. is the most influential? Because he was an influential musician, or his band was influential. Yes. So uh, I'm not sure we should say it or should oh, we to one, it or, or not. No, <laughs> let's let's keep it as a surprise. surprise You've got to tune in surprise. and find out. We've got a legend yeah. in the Australian music scene. Yeah. Come to join us. time it's time to get quizzy with it <laughs> Aussie style so <coughs> warm up your pub rock vocals fellas uh, I, need, right. I need my pot and my palmer first all right well he's in with a pot and a palmer for Pete please we'll stick our, we'll just... stick our bags and our drinks up on the t- on the edge next to the, the fallback speakers sweated <laughs> <laughs> upon that's right we could just organize a pool table to go with that <laughs> did I ever tell you the story about 
what's her name? Chrissy Amphlett. Well, I went and saw them at the Village Green, uh, the Divinals, and she stole someone's money out. <laughs> she took a bag. And I read a book and she sort of mentioned these things she used to do. She'd take someone's bag that was sitting on the, on the edge of the stage and she'd rummage through it and took like a 50 out of it or whatever and threw it back and then didn't give it back. And, like, and I watched her do this and went, she just stole that girl's money. <laughs> Live at the Village Green. Chrissy Amphlett was the bomb. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Quizzy with it time. Okay. <laughs> Which Crowded House album featured the singles Fall at Your Feet, It's Only Natural, Four Seasons in One Day, and Chocolate Cake? Woodface. Correct. In the song Kaysan, what is almost gone? Who cares? <laughs> Their oh, dignity. God. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate that. Oh, shit. Oh, man. got to read the lyrics. They're good. Oh, it's almost gone. I can't remember. I cannot remember. It's the chorus. K-San? Nah. No? You know the last... Train? Last train. The last plane out of Sydney is almost gone. That's right. correct. Right. right. So, so it is the last... Plane, oh. and this is where this is the the amusing part is that in many a pub around this fine country of ours, you can find blokes with their arms around each other, belting out this song and singing. You know, the last train out of Sydney is almost gone. It's like if somebody can explain to us how you can get from Sydney to Hong Kong on yeah. a train. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I reckon. Yeah. That's why I had so, to say. Like, I said train. I went. Oh, hang on, it's plane. Yes, yes. So I'm there you go. So it's the plane. It's the last plane out of Sydney. Oh, man. you got to listen to the lyrics. <laughs> uh, Radio Birdman took their name from a misheard lyric by which band? Um, shit, I know this. It was um, Iggy. No. Was it Iggy and the Stooges? It was. Yeah, it yeah. was Iggy and the Stooges. It went, and it was a mishearing of That's Radio right. Burnin. That's right. Yeah. Not Birdman Rally, but oh, it could have yeah. been. Could have been. The Daryl Braithwaite song, The Horses, was co-written by Walter Becker and which famous singer-songwriter? Famous singer-songwriter? Daryl Braithwaite? No. John Farnham? No. That guy, that idiot guy from Cultures, who I hate? No. It was Ricky Lee Jones actually wrote that song. Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? Did did she do a version of it? She didn't. Um, Huh. Oh, interesting. Uh, not as far as I know, oh, but yes. Yeah, so basically, yeah. So that was written by Ricky Lee Jones. Yeah, yeah. Go figure. And on the Daryl Braithwaite recording of the song, uh, which Australian female artist sang the backing vocals? Uh, was it one of the Bull Sisters? It was not. It was it wasn't Paula Cole because she was on another one that he did. Um, was it Renee Gaia? Wendy Matthews? No, Jane. Margaret Ehrlich. Oh, Margaret oh, Ehrlich. That's yeah. right. Yep. Earlish. I'm not. I'm never quite sure exactly how how it's pronounced. Anyway, according to "Throw Your Arms Around Me," how many places will Mark Seymour kiss you in? Should you be so consenting? Four places. Four. Four places is correct. And what are the places? Only kidding. (laughs) 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 And apparently, Eddie Vedder covers that song live sometimes, and he sings "I Will Kiss You in 155 Places." I saw a beautiful version of. Neil Finn and Eddie Vedder doing that song just the Ooh. other day. It's gorgeous. That would be quite yeah. nice. Yeah, they just they play off each other so well. Mm. Mm. Yes. Well, Eddie, my door's always open. <laughs> Which of the following artists wasn't ever signed to Mushroom Records? Renee Geyer, Jason Donovan, Christine Arnoux, Crowded House, The Saints, ABBA, or Split Ends? 
I'm going to say Crowded House. No, it's ABBA. Isn't it? They weren't on Mushroom, surely. It's Crowded House. The most obvious ones. Here. So, <laughs> what? Split Ends were, yeah. ABBA were a collaboration, they were signed to a collaboration of Mushroom and Warner Brothers. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. To distribute it here in Australia, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. It's Sing the Next Line Time. I come from a land down under. Where women, women I don't know what it is. Where women, women something. Blow and men chunder or something. Men chunder. <laughs> women. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's such a well-known song and yet they, those lyrics, everybody kind of goes, Men chunder. It's men chunder. So there are, there, are two, there are two lines yeah. in, the, in the different choruses. So the, there's the one that gets repeated a couple of times is where women glow oh, and men glow. plunder. Plunder. Yes. Oh, plunder. plunder. That makes sense. Okay. Yes. That's better. And the other one is where beer does flow and men chunder. Oh, oh so, so I didn't hear that right. <laughs> That's good. You're standing on solid rock. Standing on sacred ground, living on borrowed time, and the winds of change blowing down the line. Yes, perfect, very, very. Oh, nice. I've seen him play that live, just solo. It's just awesome. That'd be pretty He's amazing. Lovely. He's great. How is that? I don't want anybody else. When I think about you, I touch myself. Oh, yes, correct, and I very do, flattering, I do. and very flattering. <laughs> Asserting your boundaries. <laughs> Duly noted. Thank you. I feel I feel heard. <laughs> I, I hear that that song is being used in many a conscious relating workshop these right. days. <laughs> Learning to honour your no. That's right. It's the origins of it all, isn't it? Really, That's where the it. hippies came from. That's it. <laughs> Monday morning feels so bad. Everybody seems to nag me. Coming Tuesday, I feel better. Even my old man looks good. Wednesday just don't go. Thursday goes too slow. Cause I got Friday on my. Gonna have fun in the city. Well, we're having fun in the city and we're having so much fun that we're going to come back and do even more of it next time around. So thank you so much for joining us for our first of two bumper packed double episodes of Australian music, hits and giggles style. Next episode, we are obviously going to continue on the Australian music theme and have an Australian music, rock music legend here in the lounge suite of love. <laughs> uh, and... <laughs> and... <laughs> I hope he's okay with that. <laughs> we'll get his consent first. We need to organise a lounge suite. <laughs> um, uh, don't please and, and yes and you obviously will find that episode on YouTube so please subscribe if you haven't already leave comments uh, and your hate mail in, in the comments below and also don't Love forget we've got the, we've also got the Facebook page Hits and Giggles Facebook page and the Hits and Gigglers Facebook group where we get to share lots of funny things and news and events and so on and so forth yeah so thinking 
always, Daryl hot sake in my living room, and you know how these things end, Munton. <laughs> Peter, Radio Birdman Rally Lupellus. <laughs> and my name is Jules. Most people I know think that I'm crazy. <laughs> and we'll see you next time on Hits and Giggles.